You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Lakers for Thursday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. I want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Um, Andy, we we barely, I feel like, barely started with the the analysis of, of what the Lakers have done and who they brought in and how these pieces fit together. So many names, Andy, that we didn't even get to um, in Wednesday's show, which really the first one that we've done together since the frenzy began. Um, so definitely want to go back and kind of talk about those things. But uh, I believe, Andy, first, before we get even to there, LeBron James tweeting, then deleting, then tweeting, and then deleting what is yes, he's, uh, the motivation he, of this team this year. Yeah, LeBron has heard the people talking about the collective age of this team, and other than Anthony Davis, Kendrick Nunn, Malik Monk, and Taylor Horton Tucker so far, there is nobody on this team who is younger than 32, whether you're talking about LeBron himself, Russell Westbrook, all of the different role players that they brought in through free agency, everybody is somewhere in their 30s. Some of them, their upper 30s. This is a seasoned roster, Brian. Right, Andy, they're, they're considering bringing Jared Dudley back to add a little youth to the roster. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. An injection oh. of young energy in the form of Jared Dudley. Well, he he is a very online guy. I mean, if you're looking for somebody who understands the online culture, it's certainly Jared Dudley. But LeBron James tweeting out, keep talking about my squad, our personnel ages, the way they play. We're past our time in this league, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, exclamation points. Do me one favor, please, four exclamation points. And I mean, please, another four exclamation points, prayer hands emoji. Keep that same narrative energy, all caps, when it begins. That's all I ask. Hashtag thank you. And then a crown emoji. Deleted that, Brian. Six minutes later, tweets out, keep talking about my squad, our personnel ages, the way he plays. He stays injured. We're past our prime in this league, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do me one favor, please. Four exclamation points. And I mean, please, all caps, four exclamation points, prayer hands emoji. Keep that same narrative energy, all caps, when it begins. That's all I ask. Hashtag thank you, crown emoji. So basically a slightly uh, edited version, Brian. There's, there's an extra exclamation point. Like I I went no, over it's this really, thing. He changed it from the way they play to the way he plays, like, you know, they collectively versus he, a specific guy on the team, whether himself or some of right. the other fellow oldies. Then he tweeted that one, uh, deleted that one as well, Brian. So two tweets within six minutes, both of them deleted. Yeah. Um, and there, I've seen all kinds of theories as to why. Um, I don't know. Maybe he's just, you know, writing is hard. It's hard Dude. to get in your. It's hard to really get your sentiments down let, in 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 240 characters. Even let, when let me you tell you something, LeBron James. As you know, a longtime professional writer, like somebody who you know this, I go into extreme over editing mode. Like I could spend six hours on one sentence. I yeah. have never related more to LeBron in my life. Like this is the first time I was like, I get you, man. Like first, you know active billionaire athlete among the greatest people to ever do what he ever set out to do in life. 
I finally found this place where you and I are simpatico, mm-hmm. my friend, LeBron James. Just couldn't get the Tony he was looking for. Um, and so I, I'm sure um, very similar to following Russell Westbrook's wife on Instagram, we will find out the reasons LeBron deleted these tweets. But what is interesting here, Andy, is uh, it has not taken long for the Lakers to do, as all athletes do, um, and, and LeBron in this case, putting it out there publicly, uh, finding the slights, finding the the doubters, the haters, the whatever, whatever, um, and you know, using that as the fuel. And clearly, because I mean, some of these questions are legitimate. We're going to talk about how much age matters here in a second. But like they are latching on to the you're too old, the parts won't fit together, the egos won't do it. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. And, you know, ignoring, I, I think right now they're the prohibitive favorites in Vegas to win a title. Almost everyone thinks that if, you know, this is going to be an excellent, excellent team and all of that stuff there, they've found the stuff that they've latched onto. It took about two days. Yeah. I mean, what I think is interesting about this versus say washed King, you know, the hashtag LeBron was milking for a year plus that was largely bullshit. I mean, like nobody was saying LeBron was washed. People were talking about his age and the fact that he was coming off at the time that groin injury, the most prohibited he had had over the course of his entire career that essentially caused him to miss, you know, large chunks of the second half of his first year with the Lakers, but nobody was calling him washed. Like that is a great well, example. But, but see here, but what was funny about that is like the implication with Wash King on some of these things was like he's no longer the best player on the planet. He might be the seventh, best player, the sixth. And to these guys, and that's what makes them who they are. You told LeBron, like, yeah, you might be the fourth best player, the fifth. That runs in his head as washed king. Sure, no, no doubt. I'm just saying, again, a lot of that whole thing was fabricated nonsense. It did not exist. He was invented. Oh, yeah, it was, no, it was completely made up in his own brain. Right. This Absolutely. was invented whole cloth. Like maybe right. he saw, I think he might have seen like one hashtag on Twitter and turned it into a thing. Yeah, no, you're right. But like this, though, is real. Like this mm -hmm. is something, even people acknowledging that the Lakers could be good, there has been a lot of questioning among media and some fans about what the hell the Lakers are actually doing this offseason, beginning with deciding to go with Russell Westbrook over Buddy Hield. And... So much of this and so much of what they've done over the last couple of days has been tied to the age thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it is a really interesting conversation to have. And you look at, look, I, you, especially if you take THT out of this, um, you know, at, at 20, he's really dragging down the average age of this team. Like he's doing as much work as he can there, statistically speaking. It's a bummer. He turns 21 in November. I know. Carmelo Anthony's 37. LeBron's 36. Trevor Rees is 36. Gasol's 36. Dwight Howard's going to turn 36 before Christmas. Ellington is 33. Bazemore is 32. Westbrook is 32. Um, it's an old team. It just is. Uh, and the question becomes how much does that matter? It's not universally old. Kendrick Nunn is 26, I think he uh, you know, is going to be in. You know, Malik Monk is 24, and we mentioned THT, but the vast majority of the guys And Anthony are, Davis is still in his prime. That's worth right, pointing out. Right. He is still in yes. his 20s, but still in his prime. He's, but he's 
fragile. <laughs> I sure. worry about AD. Sure. I'm just talking about where dudes are chronologically. Like he is literally not yeah. old yet. No, he, um, he. I mean, he may be a fragile twenty-something, but he is nonetheless a twenty-something. Right. Um, and but the question of how much this matters is significant because LeBron is old by basketball standards. Um, he has tons of mileage on him by basketball standards, but if Solomon Hill doesn't, you know, run a kamikaze operation into LeBron's ankle last year, he could win MVP. So it's like, okay, how much does the age thing matter in this particular case? You know, Carmelo Anthony's 37 years old, but kind of plays the role now on the floor of a guy that it feels appropriate that he's 37 years old. And it's not like he's, he's it's not like, you know, you're relying on him to be a great defender at 37. That's not the deal. Um, so our friend Darius Soriano wrote a great column about this. Uh, he writes it for him, blue and gold. And now we're doing some work again at silver screen and roll. And, I, I want to ask you some of the questions that he was asking in in this column because it is really important for what the Lakers are going to be potentially this year. How much does being old matter? We'll talk about that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models out there, it is impossible to stock all the parts you would need in a traditional chain storefront. And you don't want to go there anyway because they're going to make you spend 30%, 50%, 100% more maybe even on the low end for some of the same auto parts in a chair, like 500, a thousand how much percent. Is, how more. much is that air freshener? 40 grand. Yeah. Ex I mean, does it do anything but freshen the air? No, it doesn't even freshen the air. It just hangs there, but still 40 grand, but you could get far, far less in terms of pricing at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto park customers online for 20 years. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or your truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, not 40 grand for an air freshener. All the parts your car will ever need. That was not researched, by the way, in terms of comparison shopping. Just, but, just threw a number out there. No, but you know what? We feel we feel strongly. That I am 100% sure rockauto.com does not charge that for an air freshener. That is true. 100% I mean, confident. What, the other places, may, 40 grand, maybe, maybe not. Either way, they jack them up. Rockauto.com. So how much does... Let me, let me, I will tell you where I think age is important here. I don't care that LeBron is necessarily 36 years old. I do think age is catching up with him in the sense of when he gets hurt now, I think it is fair to say LeBron will heal slower. The timelines are different, stuff like that. Um, I don't necessarily care that Dwight Howard is 35 turning 36. I don't care that Carmelo is 37, you know, and, and it's just, he's old by NBA standards because most of what these guys are doing, their age kind of fits into, you know, it's, it's not necessarily relevant performances, but the danger is as you get older, if drop-offs come, LeBron is really the exception to this. But like for most normal human beings, when the drop-off comes athletically, 
and the decline comes, it comes much faster when you're in your mid to late 30s. If Malik Monk misses expectations, it's going to look different than if Trevor Ariza does it. Because, and especially I think Ariza is a great example because he's somebody who is expected to be a defensive player. Like the hope, I think, is that Trevor can go out and shoot 34, 33, 34, 35%, and then D up, be just good enough shooting yeah, I, the ball. I was going to say, then if- D up. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in both cases, you're going to have to temper your expectations. Like the Trevor Ariza that hit shots at a pretty amazing clip at times during the 2009 title run, that has been more exception to the, than rule in terms of Trevor's overall career. And, oh, he's a pretty ordinary three. He's, right. he's much more D than three in the right. three. Right, and D I was going to say, at this point, the defense, he he's still capable but he is not the guy that you would look at to be the designated defender anymore, which doesn't mean that he can't handle any type of uh, assignments, but I think it's important for people to understand he is not that guy that you could look at to potentially guard one through four. Like you could at his prime. It's not not that he can't guard. It's that the days of him guarding one through four, switch him on to everyone are are not there anymore. And And that's important to point out. But to be, I agree with you, but and to be capable at 36 of being a guy who can really still pretty effectively guard threes and fours and whatever might be, um, you know, have him in the right matchup, certainly still a very smart team defender. I, you know, in that sense, it's, it's pretty remarkable, but any slippage there is going to be really pronounced. And, you know, with Dwight, there were, you know, uh, we always come back to some of the stats that that Tim is pointing out uh, at Basketball Index. Like it, it, there, there was some drop off last season in Philadelphia. It could be because of the situation. It could be other guys around. Whatever it is, but if it comes for Dwight defensively, you're gonna notice, particularly since Andy, as you pointed out yesterday on the show. The unit that Dwight would be uh, <laughs> responsible for anchoring, while loads of fun for those of us who are interested in, like let's let's put some points on the board, let's do this and have some fun. Dwight's the one guy in that second unit who you can look at of all the guys who who could be out there um, regularly and say is a plus defender. How ironic, Brian, that Dwight Howard is being counted on in this scenario to be the responsible adult. Whoever yeah. thought that would be the case? Like Dwight matter, Howard, you know, he's no out how there. Many pythons a man owns. He's out there, Brian, to tell everybody, hey, let's stop having so much fun. It's serious time now. <laughs> like, how, you know, everybody gets older. God, the, the amount of directions of easy, low hanging jokes here are, are myriad. I mean, I'm going to let them all go. Seriously, but, like, um, he is going to, that, that, Anchoring this unit could potentially lead him to having to purchase a comfort snake. Like he's he's going to be, he's going to be an, so emotion, put on an emotional support boa. <laughs> yes, he's going to walk into the locker room with that bow around his neck. I, nope, nope. I can fly with this. It's fine. TSA says it's okay. It's my emotional support python. He's, it's fine, but um, you know, so like I, I the. The age matters to me in two ways. I think, you know, you get older, guys are more likely to get hurt. I think that is just 
natural. That said, you know, they've, they've got some reasonably durable old people on this roster. And, uh, you know, again, look at somebody like Mello, that he's not going to be asked to be doing things that are necessarily going to, you know, put him in harm's way in that regard. Um, you know, AD is younger. He, he's gotten hurt. Like, it, stuff happens. I worry about drop-off. If guys are not, you know, I think we may have seen a little bit of that with maybe with Wes Matthews last year. Maybe, maybe not. It was a strange year. But, you know, I had a pretty precipitous drop-off in, in a lot of ways. You know, Markeith Morris sucked last year. Um, maybe it's because he just wasn't that great to begin with. I don't know. But that's where the age thing concerns me. Objectively, it kind of doesn't necessarily matter. Performance does. Yeah, I mean... Um, the I just... That's what that's what makes me nervous about this. I mean, I, I do think it's a concern, just like you were saying, in the sense that your body starts feeling it more. You are more of an injury risk. You know, that mileage does start to add up. And you've got guys that are well past their primes. And, and what concerns me with that in the aging process is it places a ceiling, I think, on what they can be reasonably expected to do I think that's fair. beyond their roles. And even though you want guys to accept and play their roles to the letter – it's nice to know that they could do more if it was needed in a pinch or over like a couple weeks stretch. Is there any and, upside? Is there upside? And other than, I feel, are you saying, if I understand you correctly, like there's sort of only best case scenario. This is the way I would put it. There's best case scenario with Trevor. Yeah. The way um, I, I know would what put that it. is. The way I yeah. would put it is with a possible exception of Kent Bazemore in terms of, uh, in terms of the oldies. In terms of the oldies on, on this roster, there's nobody that I really look at and say, okay, there's an expansion possibility in terms of what we would expect from this guy. Mm -hmm. Like it, he shows yeah. up and it turns out he could do a little bit more than what we've seen over the last couple years. And that to me, Brian, is actually compounded by the fact that other than Anthony Davis, in terms of the younger guys, I don't know if necessarily the expansion possibility is there either, or at least if nothing else, you don't have any of these younger guys who are really truly established. Like THT has mm. only had one season as a rotation player. Like Kendrick Nunn is pretty well seasoned in terms of seeing some stuff for a guy of his relative inexperience, but he still wasn't able to carve out a true consistent niche in Miami, he was in and out of that rotation at times. Malik, right. Malik Monk, Monk has been all. I, he's been a disappointment. At some, point he, we're gonna, at some point, we'll talk about Monk because while I, I I have zero issue with the signing, no, oh no, none at all. I think it's you know for you for take whatever that it is one point seven. Why not? I am I am slightly confused and perhaps people out there can explain it to me but i i am a little confused as to why lakers fans got so excited by it well because like, he's I, coming off a really good season he's a scorer even, and he's, even, he's coming off a really he good shot, season he for shot 40 percent from he behind shot 40 in three i get it but like the rest of it if you kind of look through what he did and and the production it was, it was better for him okay but it was all over the goddamn yeah but place. brian look Let's be honest. It's easy to get excited about somebody you haven't seen. How many of these people do you think have seen Malik Monk over over four years in Charlotte? I imagine the average Laker fan has seen maybe a combined 27 minutes of him on the court, unless it was against the Lakers. Yeah, they play the, Lakers, they play the Lakers twice a year. How much of it is, is 
it's tremendous name. It's a good name. It is. I mean, of all the people that they've signed, it is more fun to say Malik Monk than almost than anybody else I yeah, can. It sounds of. like he was a sideman with Miles Davis. Oh like, my I mean, it's God. Fantastic. Thelonious is Thelonious's cousin. I mean, for that matter, Kendrick Nunn is a really good name. It's another too. fun name. Like they've, they've done well in that. But in like that other way. than other than, I just I, you understand what I'm saying. But like, but there's upside there. That, you know, sure, you can you, imagine him doing you can, more. You can imagine lot, THT doing more. You can imagine right. Kendrick. And, Nunn and I think with THT and Nunn. There is a reasonable expectation of a leap of sorts. And, you know, certainly in the case of THT, the Lakers are quite literally betting on this, but it needs to happen. Mm -hmm. So I think when you combine that element with the older guys on the team, it's not to say that this roster can't be good because I think they really can. Rosters are already good. I mean, all we're talking about here, and this is the absolute ceiling. Right. I feel like this is a disclaimer that we need to run in a crawl throughout, you know, on every podcast that we do for the rest of the year, everything you guys see on the YouTube channel, which by the way, people continue to subscribe yes. to and thank you so much for thank doing you. that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Getting thank it you. out there and we will keep trying to get you guys uh make that channel worth your while by, you know, putting up as much, res- you know, quick responses to news and all that stuff. But it's like, it, but like this, I feel like this is going to need to be something that we put on, you know, at the bottom of the screen or repeat, have something in the intro. We're talking about the difference between winning a title and not winning a title. It is not, are the Lakers going to be good? Is this going to blow up and all that? I think they were going to be excellent. I thought they were going to be excellent before the Westbrook trade. They're still going to be excellent after it. Just weird. Um, I thought they were going to be excellent before they made some of these signings. I think they're going to be excellent after the Caruso thing hurt. These other things help. But the 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 fit together is TBD. But you have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook, and if those guys are healthy, you're going to have a really good team. Um, it's this is all a matter of are they good enough to win a title? What will what could work to make this this, this new roster that they've put together as good as possible? What are the things that could hold it back? And I am much more concerned about fit and rotations and the lack of of available two-way guys. There's a lot of either or on this roster and not a lot of both um in the way that KCP was a, a I think a the hope guy. From, I think the hope from their perspective is Frank Vogel has established you can put anybody on his court and he can make the defense work. And mm-hmm. especially when you take a look at that stretch where they didn't have LeBron or AD on a regular basis, sometimes literally neither one of them, the defense maintained. A guy like Dennis Schroeder was never known for his defense until he started playing for this team this year. Rajon Rondo went from being known as a you know defensive black hole, like you know the inverse of a guy that's always shooting, to somebody who was able to in the playoffs offer credible defense. Like I, I think at this point. The thought process is the offense just wasn't happening as easily Mm -hmm. as it needed to. Frank Vogel can figure all this out. I think this is going to be a real test of that theory because they're all. And and then, you know, to how much, to what, to what degree can better offense offset the the defense. Um, But it's worth pointing out. It's worth pointing out that in between Caruso, who is now functionally part of the Westbrook trade um, because he was, kind of let go as a result of that um, and, and some of the other things that they've done and, and not wanting to spend the money on it. it. You know, in Caruso and KCP and Kuzma, you've lost three of your best defenders 
And two of your three, if you want to say that Caruso's offense doesn't support him in this category, fine. I don't want to have this debate right now anyway. Two of your three best two-way guys who could be on the offense, who would provide something offensively and provide something defensively. Um, all right. A couple more things that have happened. We'll see if we get time. The interesting wrinkle in a story about Caruso that included Mark Gasol that Ramona Shelburne was talking about that will maybe get to that. But I want to ask you a little bit more about some of these day one guys and how you think this whole thing fits together, Andy, because we didn't get a chance to talk about it because somebody had to go on a vacation. Yeah. Not saying who. Andy. You're on a vacation. What the hell are you doing? I'm not anymore. I am back and I still did the podcast while you were off the grid, you know, like I was just, off the you know, grid. plugged, uh, you know, unplugged, just relaxing. Again, um, there was a lot planned beyond my control, and anybody in relationship knows you can be told it's okay not to go. It's, it's not, not okay not to go. Okay not to go. I I proved myself okay. by going to part of this thing and enjoyed myself. So yeah. there you have it. All right, we'll do all that next. Locked On Lakers brought to you by Bet Online, the be- the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. This week is always. Tons of sports action on the go. Get all the latest news, odds, info for all your sporting needs, including baseball, UFC, MMA. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop, your mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. Head to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, receive a 50% welcome bonus for your first deposit using the promo code LOCKED ON. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, really want to mention quickly on Wednesday night, the uh, Lakers Summer League team won. Nice. Uh, Devontae Kaycock, 13.6 rebounds, two steals. Um, I mentioned this not, Andy, to provide any analysis, but just to let people know that might be all we ever mention about Lakers Summer League. How's, uh, how did that uh, the white kid that's now the new Caruso do? Mac McClung? Yeah. I happen to be looking at a tweet. He had 11 points, two rebounds, two assists, and two steals. I saw highlights of him. He looks like a child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he looks – I mean, if you think Caruso was like a, like a, an adorable, cuddly little guy <laughs> coming to the league, this Mac McClung is a beanie baby. <laughs> I mean, like if they – if they shaved his head, could Laker fans who really can't get past the Caruso thing like is it close enough? I wrote a piece. I, just, by I, just, I was. Oh, I, he looked like a. He looked like a tiny, teeny, tiny little adorable well, I mean, child. Caruso, to be honest, kind of looked like a balding child. I mean, he has kind well, of like a goofy when baby that's face. What happens when you're yeah. twenty in your early twenties and you go bald? Yes. Um, and I know this from experience. Except you were in your early twenties with an old face that went bald. <laughs> You actually people your, people your hairline. Was, people thought I was fifty before I went bald. Right, your hairline actually caught up to your face at a very young age. In a way that, by the way, your hairline I, caught up to your face. No, I, I, it is true. I have. I am finally reaching a point where I, I actually kind of look the same. Yeah, as I did like twenty years ago. I mean, I really honestly, don't Brian, look any different. I think this ultimately did you a favor. Like the idea of going through this so young and just getting it out of the way, I actually think is if it's going to happen at all. My sweet spot aesthetically, in terms of like looking, my age actually look was probably really is, you know, 35 to 50. So I'm still in my sweet spot here. Um, it's, I'm not saying it's a good look. I'm not saying like my sweet spot makes me George Clooney. I'm just saying I'm in the sweet it's spot where it all matches. It's not necessarily sweet, but it's, right. a spot. it's it is a spot. Yeah. Um, um, let's, let's save, um, 
the the Marcus All item for Friday's show okay. because that cool. gets into a whole can of worms about how the Lakers are spending their money, um, how much the management, money, how much the the money thing is going to be an issue over the course of the year, like squeezing on the luxury tax and all this stuff. Because uh, so we'll do that. There. What what we when they when you look at the stuff the guys we haven't talked about we didn't get into you know Wayne Ellington the return of Dwight Howard some of these other things like what who do you look at with these pickups particularly kind of the day one guys that we haven't discussed in as much detail what got your attention there um, I alluded to it a little bit earlier but I think Baysmore just in the sense that he's the veteran that I think can actually offer the most mm -hmm. beyond just you have a very specific role where you do one or two things. Do not attempt a third thing. We're not looking for a third thing from you. We don't think a third thing is possible. And that's cool. That's fine. Like Wayne Ellington can do one thing, but he can shoot the hell out of the ball. Like that is the one thing he can do, but he does it really well. Like we said earlier, you are hoping that Trevor Ariza can hit threes at a reasonable clip and right, go play defense. Right. right. Go defend threes and fours fairly well. Those are the two things you would ask from him. He's not going to be slashing, I think, much anymore. He's not going to be looking to do much playmaking. Like one or two things. Dwight Howard, you were hoping, can be the back line of a defense and still serve as a vertical threat. That is literally. Yeah, I actually think, I mean, and it's funny, like we talked about the guys who make the most sense, sort of have the easiest roles, the easiest things to picture and how they. Dwight Howard, backup center, you know, second unit, some with Westbrook, working a lot with Nunn, finish above the rim, play defense makes sense. Kendrick Nunn's role behind Westbrook makes a lot of sense. It's not inconceivable the two of those guys could play together sometimes, whatever. But like that, it's all these other guys. And I think Bazemore, Andy, is, is fascinating because I think to some degree, part of the reason they might have been comfortable letting uh, Caruso go. Um, even at what was reported now to be even a steeper hometown discount than originally thought. It wasn't just Caruso was willing to stay for less. It was Caruso was willing to stay for significantly less than what he ended up getting in Chicago. Um, I think part of the reason they were comfortable with that from a basketball standpoint, or at least comfortable enough, is because they look at Baysmore and they think, reasonably so, that he's a, a, you know, a, a plus defender. I don't think as plus, but still plus. Um, and we can do for him what we did for Contavious Caldwell Pope, who was a guy who was had some promise, uh, done some things in the league, but was inconsistent and all over the map by what you just said, Andy, refining his role to do only the things yeah. that he's good at and avoiding the things that he's bad at. And if that's the case, if they can get another... 41% shooting season out of Aysmore. Um, that is no guarantee. That is not necessarily his career norm. But if they can get that, he should be a pretty good defender. I mean, he's their best backcourt defender that they have. I don't but think there's I, any question about but that. But I think also, too, he's the, he's the only guy among those four on the first day that you could look at and say, all right, there's maybe a little more responsibility that you could add to his plate, and he might possibly be capable of it as opposed to the other three where it's like look your lane is oh, going like to be very you know don't right. give Wayne more to do yeah your lane's going to be defined it's going to be very important and your success in it will be very instrumental in whether or not this team can win a championship but Bazemore was the one that again I, I think you could look for a little bit more 
The other thing that I thought was really interesting about this team, and again, it's not to say that they can't win a championship because I, I certainly think they're capable of, but when you look at what looks like now the roster on balance, because they've only got a few spots anyway. Three and spots it, left. Right, and it's expected one of them is going to be Jared Dudley, which we love him, but that's not an on-court thing. That's, I guess at this point, being the equivalent of Dwight's uh, like comfort snake, <laughs> like for but for the locker room, like he just he apparently is exceptionally important for Andy, chemistry. The correct term is emotional support python. <laughs> he is the emotional support fourteenth uh, guy, a veteran. Right. Perfect way of putting it. And again, we I like Jared, and I do think those voices matter. There's a part of me that feels I like I, I side like conversation. I think they need to use these they, they, as much as yes. possible. They need to use these roster spots on uh, playable. I kind of feel like by now, if you still need, like, really need Jared Dudley for this thing, like you should be asking LeBron and AD to step up a little more. I mean, I'm yeah. being kind of blunt about it, but anyway. The roster is more or less constructed at this point. Beyond LeBron and AD, there's not a lot of recently or even career length proven in the playoffs on this team, which I actually think is it's interesting. Um, you know, Russ, his recent playoff runs have not been particularly nope. good. And if you look at them on the whole, there's been some success. But they've been kind of erratic, even though there's always going to be some positives. He always plays really hard. Marc Gasol has not been particularly good in the last two playoff runs. Maybe you can give Dwight you know, a benefit of the doubt because of the overall body of work. And he certainly did what was needed in 2020, but he wasn't a factor in certain series at all. And he was a flat-out liability with Philly. Kent Bazemore ha hasn't been in the playoffs in, I think, four or five seasons. Ariza looked okay. Yeah, kind with of the play-in game last year. Um, <laughs> you know, no, I, Wayne, Wayne no, Ellington I mean, has look, barely I, been in the playoffs. Kendrick Nunn was in and out with Miami. I just want to finish. Malik Monk, a, yeah. never been before. THT has only played six playoff games. When, when they won the title in 2020, there were definitely some question mark guys as well. Like Kuz had never been before. Caruso had never been. I think KCP had been one time. But you could at least point to Danny Green as somebody and say, all right, that guy is rock solid. Hmm. In the playoffs, Rajon Rondo, everybody talked about playoff Rondo. He was, he ultimately was. So it's just, that is something that I also think is interesting about a roster, you know, that is as, as old as it is, you'd right. figure they'd have more, right. I understand what you're saying there. It, yeah. Mello has not been a playoff factor, by the way, in, in a while, like a consistent playoff yeah. factor. Everybody's been there. I mean, he's sure. not, he's not a guy who's going to freak out or no. something like that. And I, no. and I, sometimes I think some of that stuff can be a little bit, you know, there's there's guys with playoff experience, and it's all bad. I mean, look, like the, Fe the Phoenix Suns demonstrated that sometimes this stuff doesn't mean shit. Yeah. Um, all right. So, it's like, and that you know, I hadn't thought about that one to be honest. When you start peeling this stuff back, I mean, there there's a lot to peel back with this team. How, Again, they can be they can be to, good. How, I don't. They're going to be excellent, but how they stitch this thing together. I mean, just, I'll finish with this, and then we'll, we'll go. The Bazemore thing is almost, what we were talking about before, is almost a microcosm. Like, if you can tailor their role to just the things that they do well and avoid the things that they don't. Except they have to do that now with, like, four or five or six guys to make them contributors, yeah. and the skill sets are much more narrow 
and the and the um, sort of the negative things that you're trying to protect against are much broader. It so, is extremely important that their big three work together extremely well. And it's also, and yeah, I'll tell you what, um, maybe we'll talk about this tomorrow too. It's really important they stay healthy because, mm -hmm. you know, continuity, I think, is a different thing now than it was five years ago, 10 years ago, certainly 15 years ago in the NBA. But it's still something. And they're going to need every game to be able to work with these different rotations, try oh, yeah. stuff and whatever. Can't have a repeat of this year where ultimately you're not seeing how the different combinations work together. So there's, oh my God, I'm so excited. This is going to be so much fun. Yes, like, it will be. Every night it's going to be a different laboratory about stuff and the, the amount of, of anger that people are going to have that whenever they lose a game that Frank Vogel screwed that up by not playing one of the seven people that could theoretically have been playing in that. Oh my, it's going to be so much fun. And I am really excited. Uh, we'll talk a little bit of money tomorrow and, and some of the decisions that they're making. We'll get some guests on over the next couple of weeks. We will not be talking about summer league. Um, we're just not doing that. You're this in the wrong feel that relevant for this team. I don't. Nope. It is not for the 16th and 17th players. Maybe. Nope. Not doing it. Uh, but anyway, so much more that we're going to get to. Uh, really excited to do it. Subscribe to Locked On Lakers on YouTube. Talk to everybody tomorrow.